and welcome to episode 167 of the Filmmakers Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking from indie film to studio films and everything in between. How to get them made, how to make them and how to try not to F it up in our very, very humble opinion. Today, you are in for a treat, an absolute treat, believe me, because we have exec producer and CEO of Signature Entertainment and a film producer in his own right. It is the wonderful Mark Goldberg. Wow. Um, the films he's been involved with, just a few of them I'm going to mention here, The Peanut Butter Falcon, American Woman, uh, starring Sienna Miller, Zach Adler's The Courier, Ross Clark's The Birdcatcher, the quadruple foot soldier series, as well as The Craze Rise and Fall, which I worked on a little bit as well, um, Hooligan Escape, The Hat and Garden Job, Backtrace with Sylvester Stallone, and Final Score, starring Dave Batista and Piers Brosnan, which Scott Mann directed, and Robin Hood the Rebellion, which was produced by Lucinda Rhodes Thacker, who also produced my movie Arthur and Merlin, Knights of Camelot, which Mark exec produced. He has a whole host of films under his belt, and it is a delight to talk to him. We go into detail about acquiring films, why they distribute certain films, the best way for you to approach distributors. We also talk about the practical steps to distribute a movie and strategies behind producing feature films as well as understanding finance and the business side. And there's so many tips and tricks for filmmakers as well. Honestly, this is an absolute treat because mainly Mark, he very rarely does interviews or anything like that, talks about the business side of it. So honestly, this is a rare treat for you and you should cherish this as well as thank him from the bottom of your heart as we are doing now thank you mark um speaking of arthur and merlin knights of camelot the trailer has dropped it dropped on friday uh it's made quite a splash it's been amazing if you haven't seen it yet i'll drop a link in the show notes but just go to my twitter at giles alderson and you will see it um it is released on july the 13th pre-order link is in the show notes very exciting it's going to be out in pretty much a month's time oh yeah all the fun and games of that to come and we will get Lucinda back on and perhaps Andy Roger, my DOP, to talk about making that movie uh, Arthur and Merlin Knights of Camelot so much fun because as I've mentioned before it rained a lot every day and we were in a hurricane which was so much fun we shot in a hurricane we made a movie in a hurricane um, uh, yeah, I can't wait for you lot to see it and uh, and yeah get everyone on talking about it the wonderful joys of making a film like this and we're having a wonderful team like Lucinda and all the guys at Signature around you to get it off the ground and get it going and help you when you're in the trenches literally and get the release because that's what everyone wants how do you get people to see it and it's so important to have those people in the trenches with you it really is when you're making a feature film but getting there is really tough it really is you have to be kind of like a revolutionary fighter you know like the marches that are quite rightly happening now for the black lives matter and in the past the women's marches and animal rights marches if you believe certain things, you need to be on them and you need to be heard. And you will need to shout from the rooftops and pull the metaphorical plinth down because you need to be heard. You're a filmmaker. You're a strong and powerful filmmaker. And your story is strong and powerful. And you can make a difference in the indie film and the filmmaking world. You have to have that because no one else will do it for you. So be proud. Be strong. Make your script the best it can be. Grab that camera and let your voice be heard it's your time be inspired don't don't waste this opportunity now to get your script right don't waste this opportunity to contact producers investors don't wait for someone else to do it for you because no one will you've got to do it you so embrace those self-doubts because we all have them be scared right but above all be brave and go out and make your film Uh, I went off on a rant there but I mean it I think it's so important you can do this. So do be inspired and do go out there now. Do just whatever you can. Knock on doors. Find their email addresses on IMDb. Whatever it is. But if you believe in your dream, find the right people for your project and make it happen. Okay. Uh, I've rattled on enough. Let's get to... I can't wait for you lot to hear this. This is our, my delightful chat with a really great guy. Exec producer and film producer, Mark Goldberg. 
enjoy Hey, buddy. There we go. As I can hear, Mark, you are in your garden right now. Is it a beautiful day in LA right now? It is a beautiful, sunny day. Yes. It's still don't take it for granted. The weather is a glorious sort of 75 degrees. So, yeah. And what we found out when I met you in LA um, last time, last, well, I don't know, a couple of months ago, it was about that, was we both live in the same area of London or did live in the same area of London. And I thought it was really nice. It was like, oh, wow. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I started the company in an office um, half a mile from where you live. So, so that's when you started Signature Entertainment, which we'll get back to. So how has this whole lockdown situation affected business, you know, being in sales and distribution? Because I think that's fascinating. Yeah, on the, on the distribution side, um, Signature has, you know, over the last, well, we started the business 10 years ago, but certainly the last five or six years planted ourselves quite firmly as a very strong platform for home entertainment Mm. and um that's really where we've positioned our company so thankfully for us the fact that the sort of wide theatrical business has never been something that we've we've pinned our business on or made it so that we need that to drive our sales and revenue so that part has has really not been affected for us so in turn actually business has been you know, been pretty good on the distribution side. Um, we generally buy and acquire our, our content anywhere between six and, you know, can be 18 months before we release it. So we're, we've been very well stocked for content. We release a lot of films. Yeah. How many a year? Cause five years ago, let's say you're doing about 80 a year. Are you still around that? Are you doing more or less around that figure? We're doing more. We're doing more in the last few years. We've done, we've done over a hundred films a year. And that's, you know, some of those that they get positioned in, in different ways. Some get, you know, a, a very, for us, a, a larger release where it gets some type of theatrical release or, or a day and date release where we really see those as our kind of headline titles against the fact that we, we, you know, then release a lot of other films where, you know, we see that there's a, an audience and a marketplace for them, um, and obviously there's demand. And as we all know, you know, there's a, a lot of um, our customers out there, streamers and TV platforms and, and digital platforms that, that want to have content, new content daily, sometimes many times through a day. So, um, so we're happy to, happy to provide, mm. you know, them with, with the content that we obviously can, you know, put our own sort of signature touch to literally so in answer to your question you know business business you know over the lockdown has actually been been pretty good um from a revenue wise obviously um you know there's the, there's the downside to it in that production has ceased mm. and therefore you know on on the producing side which is what i do here more than more than the acquisition side um that's been frustrating i can imagine because if you're you constantly because you are making movies all the time as well as distributing and selling them but what happens in like i say a few months time or six months time like you say you acquire movies and you get movies made within you know three to six months or nine months before they're released which is great now like you say but what happens in three to six months time i mean are you still is there gonna do you think there's gonna be a battle to acquire films do you think that films that get made in you know in the next three months or something there's going to be a bidding war for them from your perspective what do you think there's always a battle you know if, if something has a has a worth there's always going to be a battle um mm. do i think there will be continue you know it will continue to be that way i i like to believe that signature has its own um stamp and that when we're talking with producers or sales agents um or financiers about distributing and acquiring their their project you know we're a very good partner it's not just about obviously the amount of money you're going to spend or the amount of marketing you're going to do it's it's the love and the care that we give the title and that bears a lot of fruit going forward and and sort of may separate us from other distributors um but I guess what you're asking is, you know, what happens in six, nine months when there's a lack of content? Mm -hmm. I think it's probably going to take a bit longer than that. You know, there's a lot of films 
that are in post-production or or actually were halfway through being made and that it's a little bit more straightforward certainly not totally straightforward a little bit more straightforward for them to carry on filming so i think that over the next six nine months there'll still be for example you know it would be the Cannes film festival would have just finished now so all those mm-hmm. films that would have played or be sold then are to be sold now and similarly in toronto and and maybe even afm i think it's sort of next year when there'll be a lack a lack of content in the marketplace but then obviously on the flip side of that we will have to believe that we will start producing again. So mm. if you can acquire enough to keep you alive and relevant and have enough strong content on the distribution side that, that and, and have your production, or certainly from our perspective, have, have the production business ramping up, um, I'm hoping it balances off. And equally, as a company that's been around for 10 years, uh, we also have a, a very extensive library of you know, nearly a thousand films and TV shows and other things that we're working with that, that, you know, also, you know, helps drive the company forward. So, you know, as a company, we, we are thriving. And even though this is, um, you know, not ultimately in the long run, it's not good for anyone what's happened now, but we feel very positive that things will be more than okay in the, in the sort of medium to long term. Yeah, I hope so too. And I think so. I think it's really nice that you've said that positive message as well, because I think a lot of filmmakers right now are scared. I think a lot of people listening to this podcast are going, well, ha- how am I going to get my movie made next? How is it even possible? There's going to be a big rush of crew if anything does get made. How are we going to get through all the the legal side of things and wearing masks and gloves and how is it going to come back? And I think that's very frightening for a lot of filmmakers. And it's really nice that you said that actually, I think we'll be all right. The things will get made and the, the business will carry on. It'll be different, but it will carry on. And that is nice. And it's nice to hear. And I continue to be positive about it because I'm a, a half glass full person, but, but you know, it is going to change. And there's no question on the production side right now, projects that we were uh, should have been shooting now or about to shoot. Mm-hmm. We're having to reevaluate all aspects of them, you know, whether it's, you know, safety and, and, and sanitization and obviously, you know, travel and bringing crew members down and looking at changing scripts to, you know, bring less people down in extra scenes. And the financing aspect is, is very different in as much as obviously insurance and, and different aspects of, of that, particularly the pertaining to, to cast. Um, look, when you're making a movie, um, it's a puzzle and mm. And there are various pieces that often don't fit that you then make fit by, you know, shaving a bit off here and there. And, and we've just thrown in another 25 pieces, um, that we need to need to make fit. And that's what we do. And not everyone wakes up in the morning wanting to be a film producer or distributor or or director. And, and it's much of the whole world that we work in. And it's certainly in the independent space is problem solving. And, and this is just another, another throw into that so you know you have to you have to face it and you have to you have to look at it and think that there's a a challenge ahead and and look you know if you you think it's going to be too tricky then i guess you know just you know it's not it's not for you but Mm -hmm. but now certainly is is the time um where those um problem solving skills will will come in absolutely agree with that yeah it's so true um i want to tell our listeners uh how we first met um and I'm pretty sure you remember this, I'm not sure, but we were in uh, Cannes last year, this time last year in Cannes, and I'd met Paul Hillier, who's a um, insurance broker, um, I think the night before at a party. And he said, are you playing the football tomorrow? Because he knew we both love football. And I said, yeah, mate, yeah. And he said, I'll see you there, great. So I turned up at this football game, I only knew one other person, Ross Clark, there. And there was Paul Hillier, and I said, mate, hello. And there was someone stood next to him. And we sort of nodded at each other. And Paul said, uh, so what, what have you got here? Have you got anything at Cannes Film Festival? I said, yeah, I've got the Dev with Millennium and I've got um, Arthur and Merlin with Signature. Uh, and that person stood next to him and went, I financed your movie. <laughs> and that yes. was you. And that was the first time I, I met you. Do you... <laughs> I do remember. I do remember. I do remember. And I remember that you were one of the best players on the pitch. So it doesn't take doesn't take too much. And then then wow. I think I found out last last few months ago when we spoke that you played 
professionally for a while so that sort of made sense yeah though I was a goalkeeper so that's you know I was a goalkeeper at Bradford City when I was a kid all the way yeah. up um, but yeah and I think there was a really tough game that I remember and I, I remember mentioning that you were very good in the centre of midfield and you said to me you hadn't played for like three years I was like wow um, no, you were you were very good. Paul Hilly is a great player, and that was a good game. But I really liked our first meeting. We were on opposite teams, which was which was. Uh, it was a fun game. That yeah. was a fun game. Most people probably don't know that the Cannes Film Festival and uh, AFM. Um, it used to be Toronto and Berlin. There are um, the world versus Europe football matches from the film business, which has sort of been legendary. I think it's about yeah. twenty five, thirty years. It's been going on. Mm. So uh, I think I've played played in a lot. I actually haven't played that much in the last few years, but I was I was very much part of it for eight or nine years. It's it's a lot of fun and breaks up the yes, the, it breaks uh, up the monotony of the constant you know, meetings. And you know, and it also it also brings a, a, a levelness to everyone on the. You know, you've got people who are you know assistants for sales agents you know tackling you know big movie directors it's uh yeah. it's 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 a good it's a good place for a level playing field totally is yeah there's uh, oscar-winning producers and stuff just getting smashed yeah. by a runner you know <laughs> it's, so yeah, much. it's amazing exactly. it's, it is fun it really is um yeah so it's an amazing soccer game that we get to play every year and it was my first year so that's how we first met and then we met up again in la and mark obviously is um exec producing and uh, selling and distributing Arthur and Merlin, which is amazing, and it's it's great because we delivered that obviously just in lockdown. We um we've got it delivered to you now, and that's uh, it's super exciting. I'm looking forward to how that 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 does. But um, I'm yeah, we're looking we're looking forward to releasing it. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. So I wanted to jump back uh, a little bit with you and work out how you got to where you are, and then we'll get into producing and distributing and how things work. But because as we talked about this uh, when we met, but also it was really interesting to find out your beginning. Your dad was in the business and you pretty much went around selling DVDs to supermarkets. Tell our listeners your story because I think it's a great journey into to doing what you do now. Um, yeah, so much of that is true. My father was <laughs> my father was in the business. So I grew up around film distribution in the in my childhood in the 80s when when obviously it was a totally different business and there were far far fewer people doing it and he was one of the few independent guys that saw the opportunity to be able to go out license films and put them on a brand new format called vhs Mm. and so it was the first time ever that people were able to actually choose to watch something at home which sounds amazing now obviously given you can basically watch anything you want with a with a push of a button but but in those days you know people were going out and spending 40 or 50 pounds to own a vhs and this is in the 80s so so i grew i I grew up around that and and was fortunate enough to to actually you know see lots of things and take lots of things in as a child and then sort of leaving school at 16 I decided to go and do other things and it was a sort of in my in my early 20s that I decided to start up effectively a a new business with my dad we started a new um, DVD business which at the time DVD was this very sexy product that Mm. people were amazingly rebuying their VHS collection it was obviously a far cheaper product to make um, as much as I'd sort of spent my childhood in and around it, I'd not obviously worked a day within it, and sort of my my thing was sales, and I'd I, I was a you know pretty good salesman, and I decided that, or he decided more like that that he would go out and license the films, and I'd go out with a blank sheet of paper and try and sell DVDs to anyone who would put them in their store, and so really the the, the rest of that kind of is history, and we built up a few businesses, and we had some really good times, and. Um, equally, you know, working sort of in the family business, not always doesn't always sort of work as as pragmatically as as it may work in a in a sort of a normal environment. And so I, I felt at, at you know when I got to when I'd been working with him for seven or eight years that that I wanted to go and and do my own thing. So after working for a couple of different companies, after that, I decided to start Signature, which was a, a, a hell of a gamble, really, in a time when this is sort of 10 years later, when DVD, it reached the ceilings, and then it was sort of plateauing. Mm-hmm. And, and I'd obviously had a lot of very strong relationships with retailers and decided that, you know, I'm going to start my my own company and, and quite quickly take with my incredibly tiny budget, but allow me to go to the retailers directly 
um, and say, look, you know, I'm starting a new company. Will you help me get my product on the shelf? And as much as marketing and spending money to make people see that see your product is is key and obviously to the studios and to major blockbuster releases it's it's you know it's it's part absolutely part of the puzzle um when you're working in a in a world on in the, certainly in that day where we used to use the word dtv which i really then never really liked the phrase but that really was what it was in sort of a direct-to-video product and that's certainly you know i was i was just about able to afford you know, uh, some let's let's put it this way. You know, they weren't the best movies in the world, but they were marketable. Um, and but getting them on the shelf and getting distribution was and still is absolutely the number one key to making it work in this business. Mm-hmm. Whether by luck or judgment, those titles worked, and and the rest was history that allowed me to continue to grow the business and reinvest. That allowed me to to buy more and mm-hmm. and you know it's it's when you're starting a business i, I, I think and, I, and now i'm producing more I, I liken it very much to all aspects of filmmaking and and distribution and producing and you know if if you're out there independently doing this you have to you have to throw your life at it to, to give yourself a chance to make it successful and that's what i did and i you know i sp- spent you know weeks months traveling to festivals and markets and spending a lot of time coming to los angeles to meet many of the sales agents and producers and financiers and and you know one thing leads to another and 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 before we knew it two or three years later we were you know we were we'd really sort of cemented a place where you know we were we we'd had a a great or i built the company into having a great bit reputation to for you know putting the product out there delivering you know doing everything that we should be doing as a distributor presenting it in the right way to to audiences as well as obviously working on the on the on the back end mm. you know we grew and and after five six years i had 18 19 people we're releasing 50 60 movies a year and we became the pioneers in in day and date releasing in the uk which we found to be a very successful model i'd brought in a lot of astute people um yeah, yeah some definitely. who had been very um, mm-hmm. prominent and successful within other well-established businesses. Um, my uh, John Bordion, who came to work with me mm. after three or four years of starting the company, had had been running the home entertainment at E1 and and was was part contender. And he now, whilst I you know I moved here to LA three years ago, he's now he now runs the day-to-day business. Um, Liz. Uh, who obviously you worked with and who looks after a lot of the UK production as well. But she came to us from Sky, who obviously we worked with a lot and is Mm -hmm. a great partner to us. And she came over to be our head of acquisitions and has led that team and really, you know, worked maybe less over the last few years, but her and I worked very, very closely together. And, you know, I taught her a few things and she taught me a few things and, and that's really been the way that the business, you know, has flourished. Mm. It's it's the film business. It, it really isn't rocket science. It's, you know, everyone has a view and no one's, you know, when it comes to taste, no one's view is wrong. Mm. Um, and so, you know, the, the marketing team, knowing what the acquisitions guys are doing and the finance team obviously being all over acquisitions and, and you know, all, all aspects of the business know what each other is doing. And I think that's that's crucial i really like that and i think that's really interesting um insight into it all so let's talk about someone who's got a film what would they what would you look first of all what would you look for in someone's film and i know that you've changed from you definitely did more sort of um action films you action led gangster led now you've got these beautiful films like peanut butter falcon and american woman award-winning movies that you've developed into a signature into this big brand but what is it that you specifically look for uh, as a we'll go for distribution angle first and sales angle rather than you as a producer and we'll come back to producing side but in terms of signature what is it you look for yeah i mean things have changed very much from when we started to mm. now and that's just gen- generally obviously in life things change all the time but the, the quality of the film is now has to stand up it's not always about oh well you know, so-and-so is in it, so we can just make that work. It, it doesn't always work that way, sadly, um, anymore. Mm-hmm. In a strange way, it would be somewhat easier if it did, but, but you know, it, it, it's working the way it should do, where a good film 
should get the platform that it deserves to be released in the way that it, it should. For example, you, you talk about American Woman, that's a perfect example of, of a title of two or three years ago that, that we just would not have been in a position to, to really either distribute, either, either work with that particular sales agent or or have it as something that we would want to distribute because it's a, it's a, it's a drama set in a, a you know, small American town about a, a woman who's, you know, trying to find her daughter. And, and it's, it's mm-hmm. really not a log line or, or something that we feel would, would be like be jumping up or down about, but you know, we, in fact, it was, it was actually myself and Liz, we went to see that at Toronto film festival and, and we, we knew, you know, in this world where, that quality of film where you know and it ended up getting you know five-star reviews everywhere and we worked yeah and she came over and did, yeah. got behind the film and and it and it proved to be a, a stonkingly successful title for us and 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 so that kind of you know and that and that's happening all the time and was that a surprise for you in terms of you took a chance on this film and it was amazing and you saw that in when you watched it but was did you do anything different with the marketing did you do what what was it that made it that success and why why was it uh, you know because I, I as soon as I saw it I was like this is an amazing film brilliant well done for choosing it you believe that the best case scenario is that a lot of people are going to see this including the press and and we're going to get the support from the talent and that is obviously and if and if enough people like it then enough people will want to watch it and and that's what happened films like american woman um aren't what we're looking for all the time but equally you know we've had tremendous success with things like the rise of the foot soldier series Mm. which is the other if you like it's I'm not saying it's the other end of the spectrum in terms of quality because no. there's a, in fact, in the UK, there's probably a bigger audience for that type of film than there is over and above a film like American woman mm-hmm. coming back to your answer. What do we look for? We look for films that will reach either as broad an audience as possible, or if they have a niche audience, that niche has to be that niche sometimes is thought of as small, but that niche can be big and that niche audience for example for the rise of the foot soldier series is a hardcore committed audience of hundreds of thousands if not millions of people who want a piece of escapism and mm. and so you know in, in and then you know come back to to your film it's it, you know with arthur merlin it, it it slips straight in there it's like why would we do that well it's it's a clear target that you know if we can produce something and make something and distribute something that we can all stand behind and that we're proud of as a film, something like that, where, you know, we, we, we it's not cast driven, but, but it's, it's driven by the theme and the, mm. and the story and something that's relatively well known. Um, it's again, something that, you know, hopefully it's something like that. You can, it's a clear target as to what we're trying to hear. Got you. That makes sense. And that's, that's very well put. Um, so for, for someone who's then, Who's made the film? They've gone out there, they've raised the money. It's an indie film and they've done it themselves. How do they move forward to get to someone like you? What What's the process then for them to find you and go, hey, here's my film. Please help me distribute it or sell it. Well, many do. So many do, you know. Yeah. And we, do we, they, is we, it just emails? Is it cold calls? Is it, how does it work for you mainly? Yeah, I mean, on the distribution side, a lot of filmmakers, however sort of green they may be to it, you know, it doesn't take too long to find out how, you know, you type into Google, how do I sell my film? Most are directed towards sales agents. Yes. Most films are presented to us through a sales agent. Um, That's not to say that we aren't inundated with projects, both new and finished films from... um, from filmmakers and and not to discourage filmmakers but but ultimately you know there are hundreds of sales agents out there looking for product all the time for them to sell across the world and and if it doesn't come via a sales agent then we obviously might may question the validity and the quality of it because that is generally the first port call that's not to say for example that you know that we haven't taken things directly from producers but a sales agent is really the the, the gateway for probably 90 percent of the of the product we buy and i'd assume probably most uh, most distributors and studios mm. see that's interesting because a lot of indie filmmakers they know that 
they can bring a sales agent on, of course, and actually it's sometimes the easier route to the distribution. They know the people like yourself and other distributors, etc. But then they lose out on any kind of, uh, often any money back, or it's much harder to get their money back, whereas if they go direct to distributors, it's sometimes easier. Um, again, it's not easy. You have to understand the market. You have to understand how to sell your film. But there is ways of doing it. And it's really interesting, um, I think, the whole process of, of getting a film out there. It's easy to go make a film. I say it's easy. People can go make a film. But getting people to see it is another thing. And that's what you excel in is, like you mentioned there, your expertise is getting people to see the film. That's what Signature are very good at, which is why I'm delighted, you know, to make Arthur and Merlin with you guys. Because, you know, I know that you're going to get eyeballs on it. You're going to distribute it in the right way like you do with your movies. So let's. So now someone's got their um, indie film and they're not going to a sales agent, but they want to come to you direct. Is it like say cold calls? Would you? Are you looking at those type of movies now? I know you're much bigger than that, but let's say back in the day, is this something that? Uh, what's the best approach? Is basically what I'm trying to ask. Yeah, I mean, look, we have we have in London, we have three people looking at films. Obviously, with Liz. Um, every day i don't think there's anything that we just dismiss um anything that comes in and maybe this is slightly different to, to anyone else we, we, we will take a look at anything and whether it was five years ago or, or yesterday because you, you never quite know i heard of a title that, that we acquired last week that was way down on a list somewhere that had been discarded i think for two or three markets and wow. and one of the guys in the, te- in the team in london found you know said to me what about this and we took a look at it and and we ended up acquiring it and we, we actually um we actually distribute about 50 60 movies in australia as well uh, wow. i'm just giving you that anecdote because that, that mm. stuff does some sometimes fall through the cracks and and we will look at anything and it's difficult for filmmakers because you know i know it from a producing side and obviously you know it even more so from a directing side where you get totally wedded to a project and it's difficult to be unbiased but i think you as a filmmaker need to really ask the question would this film stand up and be good enough alongside the movies that are shown on the svod and and pay tv platforms you know everyone's watching everyone's watching those movies you know and i'm not talking about the blockbuster studio movies i'm talking about other independent films and and the production value that that you can see on that and obviously you know cast and cinematography and all the other things are are, are important but if if you hand on heart think it's think it's going to be good enough for that and that's really sort of the base play these days mm. the transactional business and trying to get people to rent and buy your film don't get me wrong it's still hugely important to our business but the base play to be able to work with svod and pay tv partners um is crucial and so you know what what one has to remember is that when we're working with our tv and svod partners different to the days when we used to go and sell dvds to to supermarkets is that sadly in the way that it was is that a supermarket buyer a a week before that may have been buying toothpaste mm-hmm. has no idea anything to do with film sure. and b and B, almost certainly will never watch any more than 5% of the films that he would buy to put on the shelf. Whereas if you're talking with the partners like we're talking with at Netflix or Amazon or Sky or Channel 5 or ITV or, you know, Apple and Virgin and BT and all of these guys, they're, they're, they're watching the movies that we're presenting to them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they need to feel that if someone's paying their 10 bucks a month for Netflix, that they are going to you know feel that everything they watch reaches a certain quality threshold and i think that's what independent filmmakers really need to ask themselves is can they make their movie so it stands up stands up alongside those as a as a worst case and don't get me wrong you know i'm i i, I live the other side of it on the production side where we're all trying to shoot for the stars and make you know the absolute best version and be recognized for it and get credit for it but but you know that, that as, a, as an aspiring indie filmmaker i think you know people have to just kind of sometimes get real with what it is they're trying to make in a world where it's very easy to see what you can what you need to compare it to mm-hmm. 
I think the whole distribution world for filmmakers is really hard. They don't teach it enough. We don't understand a lot of it. We don't understand the the back end of it, if you like. And I think the more we can understand that, the better we will be as filmmakers. You know, if you if you can get a name in it, well, you're more likely to sell it. Um, if it's a horror, not necessarily, but you know, it does it does make a difference understanding your market and knowing what you're presenting it to. If you're going to make a drama, you might need a big name in it to you know, like say to get to you guys and actually get a make a dent in the film world i think that's, yeah. that's really it's really tough i mean look it's tough it's tough and i don't you know i don't i don't i don't um like to sort of pour negativity onto kind of what is people's hopes and dreams and aspiring to be you know because because without question those people's hopes and dreams and those aspirations some people will get there mm-hmm. what, what we are contending with as well as obviously you know people watching three minute two minute videos on social media and spending hours in a tiktok trance or whatever it might be (laughs) and 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 here we are here we are busting a gut trying to make Mm -hmm. an independent horror movie or you know an arthur merlin or you know Mm -hmm. a a a 25 million dollar you know dave batista action movie you know one has to continue to come back to saying how relevant is that going to be in in the world going forward so you know, it's just a question of trying to be real. But, you know, from a distribution perspective, we can't ignore all the other things that are out there that are, are fighting uh, fighting for eyeball space. If you don't mind giving us some, before we get into your producing, to talk about the, the sort of the best ways you feel that you like to distribute movies, the best, just for people to know, to understand from a, an indie filmmaker's perspective, just break it down for us. Not in, don't have to go into too much detail, but what you do when you distribute a movie, if you go through those steps for us, that would be really useful. Um, well, the practical steps. Yes. Um, typically, these days, more than in the past, we will acquire a movie either either once it's finished, so once we've seen it, either a screening or a market, or we will buy product once we've seen something like a, a trailer or a promo or some mm-hmm. footage. Um, yeah. There are cases where we will pre-buy films at a script level, but, but invariably, you know, in this world that's become far more riskier. Um, would, would some names would, have to be attached to that point or a big name director for that? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we, we typically may pre-buy a, a, a two or three films a year. Um, and then the rest are in the other categories. Obviously, if other distributors have pre-bought them, then we, we can't buy them. But but in the UK, you know, the, the marketplace is very much open generally for finished films. So so once we finish a film, uh, once we finish a film, once we buy a film, then we um, we look at the scale of the type of release, and if it's something that we feel we can we can put you know uh, an investment into to market it in a bigger way and where there is talent involved who will come over and and, and uh, or come over or whether they're in the uk do some press for us we will mm-hmm. typically try and arrange the re- or schedule the release around that the time that we can we can have their involvement and 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 then from there whether we're working with the cinemas or going straight to the digital platforms and the and, and the physical formats so whether that be then theatrical to digital to home entertainment to then going to, to TV platforms and SVOD platforms and Amazon and all the various places that we can obviously try and uh, monetize that, that, that title throughout the life cycle of its license. And obviously just going back to the start is when we're negotiating the contract, an important factor is how long we're licensing that title for um, that allows us to make a judgment as to how, how you know how much money we can obviously put down to start with, which is typically known as an MG, or equally, you know, a lot of sales agents and producers and distributors want to work with us to share in share in the profits, and therefore, you know, it's typically not about the MG and more about a profit share perspective. And and I think it's really important to note from a signature perspective is even though we do acquire and release a lot of product, we distribute it and market every single title in. You know whether it's given a full-scale campaign or even, or even a, a sort of a, a smaller campaign. We aim to to do that, and it's very different to the aggregation business. And I think I heard 
I listened to one of your shows a while ago where mm. you're talking to people who were sort of in that business or had been affected by that business. And, and obviously the aggregation business is a, is a, it's a different, it's a, it's, it, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. It's a business that, that works and has a, it's sort of a, a more of a factory model where, you know, films get just sort of put through a system and, and through a pipeline, um, but don't have the, the, the sort of the same approach that we have where we do, you know, look at each film, you know, genuinely as sort of each one is one of our babies and we, we want to, we want it to grow up and, and flourish and, and be successful for everyone. And I think, you know, that's what we do with, with, and that's what filmmakers mm-hmm. and district and sales agents and producers see that that's what we do on each title. Amazing. Thank you for that. And just to clarify what an aggregator is for people, if you don't mind. Well, an aggregator is fundamentally if you've made a film and you can't get distribution or or your sales agent hasn't been able to sell it to various territories an aggregator will effectively take your film invariably i mean we're not one so it's no. not it's not business that that we we predominantly work in but we'll you, you may even need to pay them to take your film to then put it up and when I say put it up, so to make it available through as many digital platforms in that territory, mm-hmm. um, invariably you as the producer or filmmaker would have to do your own artwork and do your own trailer and do your own marketing. And, and it's literally that you're using them as a gateway to try and get revenue. But sadly, very few of those titles actually produce that much revenue because, you know, naturally, like coming back to what I said earlier, putting your product in a place where it can be seen is is crucial. Mm. So being a distributor with a, a continual schedule of quality product like Signature has means that when we are working with our partners, invariably and typically we're able to to get, you know, really good positioning on these platforms, which is what what they, you know, and, and we deserve it because the product is good enough and, and that there's a, you know, a continual range of that. Whereas obviously from an aggregation perspective, you know, if your film, you know, it won't, it wouldn't happen with Arthur and Merlin mm. because it will get, it will get great positioning, but, but let's say, you know, you weren't working with us yeah. and you had to put your film through an aggregate and your film came out next Friday, mm-hmm. you, you'd go on iTunes and you'd hope you'd see it. But, yep. but if you're going through an aggregator, likely it is the only place you're going to see it is if you type it in. And, and for a movie that's not being released theatrically, how many people were typing in that movie that week? Very, Very few. Yeah, absolutely. There's some, there are some good aggregators out there and there are some who aren't, so just be careful. Film Hub are very good. I like them a lot. I've heard good things um, and they don't charge a percentage up front. So just do your homework, everyone. If you're going down that route, you've got a film and you can't get sales, you can't get distribution. It is a way to sell your film. It is a way to get your film out there, but you have to do the work. Facts. Uh, but go look up Film Hub um, and yeah, you'll see what it's all about. Let's jump into your producing side when was the moment when you said okay i love sales and distribution and this is amazing but when was the moment you said i'm actually going to start producing my own movies and step up into that direction can you remember the time i can remember the fact that there wasn't a moment right sadly (laughs) it was actually it was it was actually more by um just by being it was more by default my default than design actually i never i never even when i started to see signature growing i didn't say oh i want to go and produce films it it all looked rather thankless and 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 difficult and going and acquiring not that distributing them and picking the right films is easy but producing them just seemed a far harder thing to do Mm -hmm. but really what happened was is that is that as the business started to grow and we saw that to to take it to another level which would really mean a huge investment. And when I mean huge investment, hundreds of millions to, to m- turn the business from uh, what we were into a theatrical distributor and the independent space and the theatrical marketplace in the UK for anyone who may know is, is brutal and is, is a graveyard of companies that have tried and failed. Um, and so we tried, I actually did try with a couple of films and, and failed miserably. And, and, you know, thankfully the business could, could take the hit, but, but it was a question of me sort of being the person that I was, just kept wanting to find ways to grow the business. And what, what actually happened was, is that the robbery took place in Hatton Garden. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And me being someone who kind of thinks, oh, that, that would make a great movie, as did probably half the country and sure. all the other film producers out there, yeah. thought that would be great. And so we st- I started to sort of prod around and see how we could get a film made. And I was going to be working with someone else. We'd set out to try and make the version that Working Title made, mm-hmm. and that was our plan. And then what happened was is that Working Title announced it, and we were like, well, we can't compete with that. And someone else approached me and said, I can make a Hatton Garden film um and we can do it at a really good price yeah so really good price yeah. prices make it sound like it's like it's something at a, a supermarket <laughs> yeah. um uh, no we could we could do it at a really good budget a really you know a budget that, that makes sense yeah and they felt quite strongly that given the pace that it was moving at that they could get um some pretty decent talent so we agreed to finance the the movie and play some involvement in the production. And the people that we work with at the time did a fantastic job. Yeah, and, absolutely. Um, the producer who who I work with on that, Ben, he um, ben Jakes, who we're actually yeah. working with. Yeah, we're actually working with him or something else. He and and Ronnie, who did a fantastic job on the directing. You know, they mm-hmm. exposed me to a fair bit of what it could take to to make a film. That ended up looking really pretty good, and and we ended up getting some really good cast for well, Matthew Good is amazing, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Matthew Larry Good Lamb, and Phil Larry Daniels. Lamb, and you know Phil Daniels, Jodie Richardson, and mm-hmm. and I guess what why why we felt so strongly that it was something that we could do was that um, was that we knew that there was going to be a marketplace for it, and that if we could, you know, taking a distribution perspective and putting that into the producer's seat and saying, well. You know, why does this work? What do the numbers really look like? Because we're going to be controlling this film around the world, not just the UK. Mm. And and it worked. You know, we worked with a sales agent on that and they sold the world and we did, you know, it became, you know, it's in it's in our I think our top five signature ever releases in terms of in terms of revenue. And it it became wow. a, a fantastic title for us. And 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 ultimately is kind of perennial because, you know, it just will keep selling and selling and selling and and that's really sort of what turned me on to it. And I think, I think that the, the next film that I then got involved with is a, it's a whole sort of there's a there's a whole story behind it. And that and that's really what what gave me the full hands-on exposure of producing a film. And and then you know which which is final score. And then and then it was sort of from there that that I soon fast started to realise that that the way to grow the business was to start producing our own content rather than trying to compete with the studios and, and work in the theatrical marketplace. And, and don't get me wrong, you know, three years later after producing final score and a handful of other films, the career um, and, and, yeah, and, yeah, and we were this. due to shoot, you know, two or three films this summer, which obviously now mm-hmm. are going to be delayed and pushed back. But, but you know this 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 angle and this pivot um certainly you know in the in the world that we're living in is the one that um it you know it's it, it certainly made sense again though I, I, producing films and being sort of the lead producer and putting all the pieces together is ultimately a, you know a very, it can be a very lonely and 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 thankless place a lot of the time but controlling your own destiny which is we're very you know i am and and the, the the people that I work with on the production side were very um, adamant that we, you know, we own the IP of pretty much everything that we do. You know, we finance our development um, totally which is, from which within, is within the company. Yeah, well, that's amazing. You've got this wonderful eye that you've under you understand what sells. You understand the marketplace. You you know you spent time going around selling you know VHSs in supermarkets or whichever shops you could get to, and yeah. suddenly you're you're now seeing that as a whole as the producer coming in and, you know, making something like final score with Dave Batista, which is an incredible movie. We had Scott Mann on the podcast, of course. And, and then the career with, uh, with Zach Adler director on the podcast as well with Gary Oldman in that. Um, and you seeing it from a, a different angle, you're going, well, what sells? If I get this person in, that means this movie could, I can sell it in this territory, in this territory. Are you thinking of it in that, sense then you're going well from as soon as the concept comes to you um and you're looking at it right how can we sell this movie we need that territory that territory so should we get this person in are you thinking of it like that like a strategy uh yes uh, you, you absolutely have to think of it as a strategy it's sadly it's not just as easy as 
let's just come up with a great concept, find a great script, and I'll go and knock on you know the door of the agent, and their actor's going to say yes, and we're going to go and make a movie. And sure. you know, it, the, the X plus Y equals equals that to to allow the formula to work. But in essence, yes, there is a strategy there, and I think really fundamentally now living here a few years and um and developing the projects that i have and being put in the place and i'm working with you know all different sorts of directors and you know i'm working with talent that brought projects Mm -hmm. to me that they wanted to star in and you know it it really really fundamentally for me comes down to the concept and the material right again if you take it back to those days gone gone past making sort of b-movie with sort of a minus b plus stars in to try and make them you know as a producer that really can be a thankless task where you're running around and the film doesn't turn out great and actually no one's really made any money apart from the 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 actors that starred in it and and Mm -hmm. maybe the the people who financed it so um what i have made very important to our strategy is that is that again you know and i come back to the question you asked me as a filmmaker and though i'm certainly not a director you know i'm Mm -hmm. on that creative side now and we have to make sure that it's going to be something that we can stand behind and that's going to be going to be you know good enough but that's not to say that we're you know it has to be an oscar-winning movie you know we have you know there's a there's a, a project for example with dave batista who's become a friend of mine and we're you know, we work, we've been working on a project. We've got the writer of um, the Fast and Furious franchise who's, who's you know, writing it right now. You know, we're right. working sort of, the, the three of us are working together alongside my producing partner, Sarah, who works with me here. And we're, you know, we've been working on that project for 18 months. And, and, and that's just, sadly, that's just how long it takes to get it into a place where, you know, if you're going to go and raise... Or, or or find the financing to to put 20 30 40 million dollars into a movie it's got to be great it can't even just be okay or good enough mm. um so it's got um, to be. and that's even with dave batista starring in it you're still going it it takes time because you've got to develop it and get it to the right place absolutely and he wants it to be the best it can be obviously so mm-hmm. you know it, it it's it's a lot of patience um but equally Equally, it's not just about, you know, a $30 million Dave Batista action movie. You know, we, and this is something interesting for, for the people listening, you know, we, we recently, or I recently did a joint venture partnership with a, with a studio who um, has a, had a need for, for a, an amount of, of movies that they've asked us to produce for them that aren't driven by talent, that are purely driven by concept, that are going to be in sort of a relatively low budget range. Um, mm-hmm. that allows us to be flexible with all sorts of things when you're not constrained by the fact that you need to get x y and z in it so you know we signed that deal just the end of last year we have four movies that we've all had green lit that are you know actually will probably be shot much sooner than than anything else because those movies where it's not totally cast contingent are, are actually going to be easier to make in this world so mm-hmm. you know we are we are constantly looking for that type of high high concept um you know contained is a word that lots of people use but it does make sense obviously certainly in this world where you can bring you know certain elements of the budget down so whether it's a comedy in action a, a sort of relatively low budget horror film it's it's again having a broad perspective on the on the marketplace but a, but but equally every project has to has to be worth doing on its own merit Yes. And do people approach you, like you said there, you know, that um, people are now coming to you, which is nice with projects and ideas and established writers. Is this um, happening a lot more? Are you getting unsolicited stuff that you find or is it pretty much people you know now and developing it that way? Oh, no. On that side, we get we get a lot of uh, material that's sent. I mean, that that's that's slightly different to obviously a filmmaker coming to us on distribution side where I said in, inevitably they do go through the sales agent but from a production standpoint we we i receive dozens and dozens a day from uh writers and and producers and directors who obviously have have a dream to make a film um yes and what what is it that that gets through the door sometimes what is it that gets you to read them is it what stands out i suppose what should people do 
the stuff that comes through represented talent generally is something we take a look at because you know they've obviously put themselves in a position to be to get representation um so you know that's being honest that's generally kind of what goes to the top of the list unless it's a writer or a director that we know well or that we've done stuff with before or or you know or or, or that isn't well that is well known and has some credits that stuff sent stuff through but but that said there are still projects that we have taken serious looks at that have come through unsolicited that that um that just you know may, they may not even come to me they may have come to sarah or they may have come to the team in london um mm-hmm. and we we you know we take a serious look at it and then we can sort of then say how we would look at doing it or or take it on um you know there's of of the i think it's nine or ten movies in our development slate i think one or two came through that means and and the okay. others are, are are projects invariably that you know we've been more proactive in either chasing or optioning or or um or developing from scratch ourselves with with you know with talent that were sort of our ideas yes fine that's really interesting um and for people to approach is it do they kind of just find signature online and they they send their unsolicited work to you <laughs> I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure i'm sure i'm sure i'm sure if someone wants to find me they'll find me there you go. There, there it is. There's a challenge. And um, what yeah. did you find within the producing when you started it? Did you think it'd be as hard as it is? You know, especially you mentioned there it is lonely, and it is. It's really no. tough for filmmakers. No, no, no. No, I didn't think it'd be as hard as it is. Um, <laughs> I have this interesting juxtaposition where you know I, I, I probably fifty fifty working on the distribution side and the production side, and and the distribution side is. Um, a constant flow of stuff you know it's it's mm. buying it's selling it's marketing it's you know we're we're we're, we're traveling around watching films all the time and mm. the production side particularly when you're developing is a slog you know it's a it's you know it's waiting for a draft and then you know doing the notes and doing the contracts and finding a date and finding the times and finding you know doing making all the pieces fit together and mm-hmm. sometimes one piece can fall down and the whole whole pack of cards can fall down and it can be extremely frustrating so there's there's a lot of dark days so you ask why do you do it and and ultimately like i said if we can if we can build the production business and own our own content um that we we believe is going to be what what you know the world wants then that is a is a is a you know when when you do get that phone call from whichever piece of the puzzle that allows you to green light your film it mm. it is it is i'm not going to deny it's a wonderful feeling it really is yep it's yeah. a true high five moment and um totally and and it, and it and it feels worth it it does that's why i mentioned the moment in Cannes when when you said to me i financed your movie and the reason why i wanted to talk about that and mention it is because it never happens it's such a joy that you meet anyone in the world that says I financed your movie because what an amazing thing. What an amazing moment, amazing thing to happen to anyone, any filmmaker. I financed your movie. That's amazing. It means that you've made a movie or you're making a movie and it means that someone believed in the project enough to give you money to make the movie. So, yeah, I totally agree. Those moments are just few and far between and they are special and it, it, it made me feel so good even though it was the funny moment. It was just like, That's, this is incredible and special. Um and you know it is frustrating for a lot of us as filmmakers but you can get through it and you can fight and what you mentioned there about you know the dream is kind of what you're doing is producing distributing and having this model it's exactly what i want i want to be there too i want to be doing all of it you know controlling it helping things get made and and being in that position where you can greenlit or you can help things get greenlit is is must be a great place to be and well done for i mean it's an incredibly impressive you know, position you've you've built up for yourself, and yeah, I'm very proud of you, and, and and it's been a joy to, you know, meet you and talk to you, and I love that you guys are making Arthur and Merlin. And I got to make it with you because I love everyone at Signature. I think it's a delight to spend Great. time with them. They they uh, love you. We love you. There you go. Yeah. So it's a, it's a mutual feeling. <laughs> mutual pat on the back, society. Um, what about some tips if, after that? Now, uh, gone slightly red. Um, tips and tricks for filmmakers then, and producers, and people want anything you can advise them that you went oh if only i'd known that oh god if why don't filmmakers know this now is there anything that's always bothered you or something you'd like to help filmmakers out there listening well i think i think 
they separate filmmakers into into directors and producers, right? So, mm. and and writers, you know, um, yeah. mentioned this earlier. But if you are writing something, particularly, you know, if it's on spec or you've got your own idea, if you have this big grand idea that's going to cost tens of millions of dollars to make, you know, be really true to yourself that you think that that has a ha, you know that that has a pathway to be made and and do some investigation as to how these things get made you know mm-hmm. you go and write something and then you turn it into a producer and you say oh i've got this great idea and it's this and we're going to do these explosions it's going to have this this going on and we're going to get this talent and we're going to do all this you know it's almost certain that it will never happen because mm. th- that they just haven't really thought about how what is needed to put that together um so again it's sort of coming back to just giving yourself a reality check as to as to what it is you're trying to achieve um i think from a from a producer standpoint obviously now having made a bunch of films and being involved with with a load more going forward um you know understanding how the finance works and understanding you know what finance costs you to your film to make it work is is look it's something that you 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 wouldn't know until you start doing it but 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 you know it's something that i think people really need to to understand you know it's all very well saying uh, you know even even a producer going and getting a budget done but someone's got to pay for that film and that money doesn't mm-hmm. come for nothing and so that can that can change and shape a lot once you start getting into conversations with financiers so so i think that's something that you know i wasn't aware of just because i wasn't part of that side of the world and now it's you know what i deal with what i deal with every day mm-hmm. yep i totally agree business side of it as filmmakers it's we're too creative and we're not thinking about the business side enough and you have to i think it's vital that's some great advice mark this has been amazing Honestly, this has been really cool. It's been really great to talk to, you know, someone from your side of things with the distributing sales and also producing. Um, really, really interesting. Thank you so much. No problem. Good to speak to you. So there you go. That was Mark Goldberg. How amazing was that? Um, remember, you can go out there and make your indie film. You can make it happen, but know who your audience is. And if you're lucky enough to rise up and do well, as Mark has, it's your duty to send the elevator back down. We are back next Tuesday. As always, um, go to the Filmmakers Podcast and go like our merch because we've got all the merch now and get involved with the other 100 nearly 70 podcasts now that are out there and let people know that you like this podcast spread the word that is so important mark you are a legend and a gentleman and it's been an honor thank you so much no problem good to speak to you Giles. and you buddy take care and take care. take care everyone and we will see you next tuesday all the best everyone go make your film make it happen bye <laughs>